Good morning. Uh, this is Mike Rouse, your host this week of Under the Covers. Joining me in the studio, our RDHK veteran uh, and now a stringer for various overseas journals is uh, Francis Moriarty. And uh, also with me is the famous, and he calls himself infamous, columnist for the SCMP, Alex Lowe. We're going to examine how the media covered three big subjects this week, starting with the 1st July march. Um, Alex, 1st July march? Most of the papers basically uh, cover a dwindling crowd uh, of the uh, march. Uh, the estimates by the organizers was 48 thousand people, a uh, significantly lower estimate by the police. Uh, this is, uh, uh, Francis, where you can remind me, this is the smallest crowd since 2008 or something. Something yeah. said around 2008. Yeah, yeah but put, to put it another way, it's, it's less than a tenth uh-huh. of, of what was claimed for the year before. Right. So, right. so a big drop-off. Uh-huh. Huge. And right. that was the main focus of the media coverage? For most of the, the mainstream, the I mainstream, would I would say, yeah. But if you took a look at uh, well, uh, a number of papers, uh, Ming Po had a lot of uh, photos. Uh, the South uh, uh, China Morning Post uh, ran uh, a lot of photos. Um, and a number of other papers. Uh, I didn't see a big coverage in the China Daily, uh, but uh, on, on the whole, the, the they kind of channelized the story in, into uh, here's the people who marched and why they said they marched. Here's people who didn't march because now these days you somehow have to go get people who didn't do what the story is in order to have a balanced report. Um, and, uh, and, and then views from academics on what it means. Mm-hmm. I think that basically was the formula on which uh, a lot of reporting was done. There is one story that I found quite interesting. Uh, it's a conflict between the organizers and, and, the, uh, localist, and the localist groups. Uh, the, uh, apparently, the uh, organizers uh, ref- refused to uh, recognize the localist group and 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 didn't quite uh, want them to join the same march because they uh, they feel the feeling being that it would detract from the overall objective of the march. Well, I believe that the organizers believe that that yes, that they, they want democracy, but but they they they're not you know going for independence or right. any, anything of the sort. Uh, uh, whereas the localists uh, t- take a, a, a you know, drastically different stance on, mm, on that mm, particular mm. issues. Coming back to the size a minute, 48,000 was the claim by the organizers. The police said about 20. The academics were somewhere in between. Um, even so, 20,000 people on a hot day when you could have been at the beach or something, that's, that's still a reasonable number, isn't it? I would say that it's it's a reasonable number, but Hong Kong people can always surprise you. They can go high, they can go low. Yes. Um, and, I mean, to me, the interesting thing about the coverage was also that this week we saw the the first uh, formal presence of, uh, of a new medium uh, online, the Hong Kong Free Press, uh, fu- uh, crowdfunded uh, through French Backer. And uh, this was a test of their nine-person operation to see what they could do. Um, they're having a little trouble because GIS or ISD uh, um, doesn't seem to want to give them recognition as a news organization because they're not registered, whatever that means, uh, as, a, as a news organization. So they can't get the usual press uh, credentials and things. They're going to have to sort that one out. Um, 
and I think credentialing is going to be an issue for future. But in terms of coverage, uh, I think the way they broke the story up into into here's what's the overall story, and here's five stories inside the story, and and uh, and and uh, here's a profile of somebody, and and you you move the channels as you go online, and you watch, and you can see the stories moving, you can pick them up, um, and they were moving them fairly rapidly in in real time, uh, and and I thought that was a a, a nice way to see the reporting done. Uh, it uses the internet in a, in, a, in, a, in a good way. I mean, people are still learning the platform mm. of the internet and how to use it effectively. Uh, and I thought it was a, a pretty good go. But I, and I'm also going to I'm going to give the Post some credit. Um, when the Post wants to apply its resources and and really do a good job with something, it can. As we saw during Occupy Central when it did that rolling. You know, constantly updating. No, the update. Yeah, that was that was that was a really good piece of work, um, and even if it's in, in its coverage of the of the march, you could see hints of that, traces of that um, in in the coverage. And if they really want to throw resources at a story, and uh, they must have had twenty reporters uh, or something. Well, this thing I find interesting is it really a con- concept idea coverage like like the, uh, the the new media, or is it a matter of resources? Because uh, it seems to me, and, and ideas is perhaps the internet offers new platform and ideas that 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 may may, may help even if you are resource shorter resources. Yeah, it, it allows you to do things that you couldn't do otherwise um, at, a, at at a, at a lower cost. Right. Um, but it also allows you to, to to you know you've got embedded video, you've got uh, embedded sound, you've got uh, podcasts. Uh, you can go back and look at it later. Uh, it's 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 all of those good things, and you can constantly update it as a, as as things occur and information do, comes do you, in. Do you think officialdom is going to struggle <clears throat> to cope with uh, online media like that? Well, they've tried to go forward. I mean, the G- ISD has. I keep wanting to call it GIS. ISD is it has that uh, um, their, its own news channel, but one would struggle to find news on it. <laughs> uh, but it's it's the government's line on various issues put out there. Uh, but but I I think that. Uh, the struggle would be that they'll get beat. Mm. I mean, as fast as they want to put something out there, the minute they put it out there, somebody's going to pick it up and get it out there faster than than, than they will, um, even if it's an official line. Uh, so here's the government's response. Boom. And there it is. Uh, and, and, and am I going to go to news.gov.hk to get the official response when in nanoseconds? But I'm wondering, it's going July 1st, March, wasn't yeah. this year, wasn't yeah. really... A big story. Sorry, for the benefit of uh, uh, our listeners, the old name of GIS, which we always used to say means God is speaking. It's yeah, government we, information we services, but ISD is the name of the government department, information services department. Yes, yes. And they uh, they do register the media, or is it Home Affairs that registers? I think home Affairs registers register media. the media. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But they're going to. They, we think they're going to struggle with this with this new platform. I think they're going to struggle with how to deal with these kinds of people. I think Legco is going to have to deal with it in terms of, of how they accredit reporters who cover Legco. Mm. Uh, their their way of looking at the media is, you know, a couple of decades probably out of. But they're, they're going to have to recognize them. I, I mean, uh, if I was reading the New York Times, even some uh, widely read uh, bloggers now are recognized by the White House. Yeah. And could get access, so and, so they just gonna have to recognize. And with a with a mobile phone in your pocket, everyone's a reporter now, potentially. Exactly. Well, well yeah. that's going to be another issue. It's it's, another citizen journalism. Well, it's the curation of information, and again, that's one of the things that Hong Kong Free Press 
um, which is the, the newest game in town so far. And there's another in Canton being set up in their crowdfunding as, as we speak. Um, but uh, right now it has to deal with the question of how it curates its information because I think that, uh, uh, you know, Tom Grundy, uh, who set it up, really wants it to have a middle position, um, uh, not be overly identified with one part of the political spectrum, the, the mm. pro-democracy end, although uh, he has uh, office uh, arrangements for free in a space at Cyberport uh, that's used for D100 radio station, D for democracy, run by Albert Chang. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, uh, he says no money changes hands. He doesn't feel compromised in any way. And if he did, he'd move out. Right. Um, but... Uh, uh, I, I think that uh, it's a whole new way. The technology is a whole new way of looking at things. Uh, the staff is incredibly young. Mm. Uh, some, uh, some of them I read are still uh, studying in university. So, yeah, so, still, uh, still students. The, the fact that the organizers of the march were not keen to build up the, uh, uh, the independence uh, people, was that widely covered in the, in the rest of the media? It's got cu- some coverage, but some not, coverage. not 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 wild, wild. Taken overall, how about the Wenwei Po and the Takung Pao? What did what coverage did they give it? Uh, I didn't. I read Wenwei Po, and I didn't see anything in it. Uh, yeah. I, oh, there was a Tung Chi Wa photographs. There were pictures, plenty of the flag raising uh, done. Okay. There was pi- primarily a, a covering of the uh, July first uh, celebrations. Right. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, the, the day of celebrations and and, oh, and, and return of the. That's what we get from that media, isn't it? The event and the non-event. Okay? Yes. Very good. Well, another big subject this week, of course, was the final confession. Uh, Well, maybe it's not the final confession of the escalating cost of the express rail link uh, from Hong Kong to Guangzhou. Um, uh, We've gone from 65 to 71 to 85 now, uh, I think, Uh, approximately. uh, uh, if it comes in under 100, I'll be surprised. Well, I, as I've got to admit, I, yeah. uh, when we had it on uh, back chat, um, I actually rounded it up on air at 100 million. Yeah. Um, oh, a billion here, billion, billion there. What's the billion, difference? Yes, sooner, yeah. sooner you're talking about real money. Yes. <laughs> that's, 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 so what did the media make of this? Uh, I, one story I, I found interesting was the report that uh, Mike team. Uh, alleged that way way back when uh, MTR actually came out with a pretty close estimate, which was uh, eighty billion. Uh, but uh, um, the, uh, he alleged that the government uh, uh, you know, said there's no way we could sell to the public eighty billion. It has to be drastically lowered. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but uh, no one had uh, come out to uh, rebut his allegations. That's interesting, and but also I don't know how they sold the sixty-five billion in the first place. Well, they, <laughs> they sold the sixty-five billion in part because China wanted it. That was part of why they got it, and another was because uh, it was supposed to produce what just seventy-five or seventy-eight billion in revenue over fifty years. So it would be a, a, a after fifty years, it would be a revenue. Uh, generating right, yeah. after half a century yeah exactly yeah that's a good investment for mm, him. that's yeah. even that's even uh, how long was mickey mouse uh, they gave him uh, how long did they give him a profit money? <laughs> the, the real mickey mouse <laughs> uh this yeah this is big time mickey mouse uh hong kong disneyland was cash flow positive uh, pretty much from opening but uh they, with all the 
uh, amortization and so on, depreciation. But even the accountants had to admit it was making a profit after about eight years. So Yeah, yeah. so you, you weren't waiting half a century to turn it around. But now the cost has gone beyond the estimate that was given as a profit. Now, your original question was how did it get sold? Mm. It got sold because it was going to be allegedly a money spinner. But now the cost has gone beyond the profit that it was supposed to bring in over 50 years. So it looks like a loser already. Uh, from every angle. What about this sudden suggestion that maybe we should turn the terminus into a big shopping arcade? and Because and, it, cause uh, it's going to bring more money in, uh, in the same amount of time. Oh, uh, good. Uh, just turn the hole into a big underground shopping mall. Hmm. I, but that sounds like a good idea. But, um, well, well, that was suggested by a group of architects, wasn't it? Mm. But, uh, just bring the mainlanders down to an underground mall. It would have generated immediate. Uh, Wouldn't bother revenues. anybody. They could go right back underground. Uh, and- right. What about powers and privileges? I mean, this is a scandal. Um, uh, is. is the administration going to be able to hold the line on P and P? Well. Yeah, probably. I mean, the the Democrats uh, will will rise up and scream and kick and you know and do whatever in committees. But in terms of of, of a launch of an investigation, you'd be investigating the people who voted for it the first time around. If you, and anybody who can remember will recall the scene outside the old Legislative Council building in the marathon session that led to that vote with, with, with protesters uh, you know, circling the building for days on end uh, and uh, a, a vote that took place at whatever hours in the morning that it finally took. Uh, and, and I remember sitting in the gallery at that vote watching one member after another, all from the functional constituencies by and large, Standing up and saying, uh, I've got uh, two pieces of land along what looks like it might be the route. And I've got a piece of land that looks like it's uh, near the planned terminus. And I've got a piece of land that looks like where one of the uh, <laughs> juxtapositions of the lines might be. And, and it went on and on like this. And, and a really good piece of journalism was done by the protesters, actually, who'd gone off and researched who, because it, it, it goes to uh, – not to Guangzhou, actually. It goes to – uh, a little city to the east of there. Right. And well, in fairness, like every other <clears throat> um, line uh, in the mainland, it's outside the city centre. Yeah, so it didn't go there, went outside the city centre. Fine. But who owned the land in that area? Well, there was some very interesting reporting that was done by protesters at the time, they, and they pinned it up to the bus stops mm-hmm. out, outside the Legico building. Um, they went up and looked at who owned the land. And looked at the records, and, and and isn't it interesting that people had already invested in this, in this farmland out in the middle of nowhere, uh, which just turns out to be the place where this is going to hook up for the new high speed railway. Where the trains from Hong Kong will arrive. Yeah, uh, it, I think interesting. All you had, Mike, uh, you asked, is the government go- going to be able to hold the line? But if you read the uh, newspapers, uh, mm. uh, the, uh, the the focus is on the MTR responsibility. Uh, like like Ming Pao, Ming, Ming Pao's focus was uh, where, where the MTR seriously mismanaged the whole project and was once responsible for the uh, cost overrun. Uh, the Economic Journal uh, again, you know, looked at how to protect uh, taxpayers from uh, further throwing money into this debacle, and uh, it largely been both the government and the MTR. And I think lo- lo- a lot of the uh, local papers actually focus on the MTRs. But a lot of people are taxpayers and MTR passengers. Uh-huh. So whichever one picks up the tab, uh, someone's coming into our pockets. Well, <laughs> yes. The largest shareholder in the MTR is, of course, the government. Right. Um, so the taxpayer's going to get it one way or another. 
yes. uh, in, in, in the in, whole arrangement. In the sense that they would lose in dividends if the MTR gets foots the bill. Well, it seems the government has been quite successful in shifting the blame to, to, to the MTR, refocusing we, it, at least in terms of the media attention. Uh, for now. For now. For that, yeah. is, that is interesting. Uh, maybe there's a bit of a government spin that's worked for once. Well, well, yes. we'll see if people are going to start kicking around the idea of the financial secretary as the next chief executive. A, a lot of these issues could come back around in another context. Yes, mm, absolutely. Yes, indeed they could. And, of course, you're referring to the famous handshake yes. uh, between John Jung and Xi Jinping. Um, remember the, and uh, reminiscent of a previous handshake some I, years ago. I remember that one. Jiang Zemin uh, going up to Tung Chi Hua. Suddenly, as if he forgot, he heads out the room and goes, oh, wait a minute, I almost forgot. Does this gesture, touching his head, and then walks up and single hand. Well, where is he? Where is he? Oh, yes, there he is. Goes right into the crowd, grabs the hand of, of a somewhat embarrassed uh, Tung Chi Hua, and then everybody <laughs> went, okay, now we know. So well, John Jung, 2017. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> actually, didn't Z shake hands with every one of the people who were signing up with the uh, Asian Investment Infra- Infrastructure Bank? Uh, so maybe it wasn't a, a special thing for John. Well, he just happened to be our representative on the bank. Uh, well, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it, it, it's possible. But, of course, people are going to look at that and, uh, and, and read into the tea leaves. They are, but... Uh, as financial secretary, how vulnerable am I with a project which was of doubtful value at $65 million, is now heading towards 100 uh, seemingly faster than the trains? Yeah, and he's going to have to explain it in a budget. It seems Anthony Chung is uh, t- t- taking most of the blame and uh, John Jung is largely you know, mm. uh, escaped the, uh, the, the well, attention. Hang on. Anthony resigned in 2003. Mm-hmm. I seem to remember July the sixteenth. Oh, sorry, I mean Anthony, uh, the, oh. the, the the secretary for. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The secretary. Yeah. For, well, for housing and for transport. housing and transport. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, well, the whole thing is just going to. It's a, it's a tar baby. It's going to touch everybody at some point. I mean, that plan was sitting on a shelf in the government, collecting dust, which is exactly what it should have done. Uh, and uh, somebody decided that it needed to be pulled down and implemented. And, and, and I think that the, the people who really have to carry the can, again, uh, in, in a couple of weeks' time, are, are the pro-government forces who just lined up behind the whole thing and thought, you know, China wants this, this is good for China. It's pro-integration. And the pro-integration forces are the ones that, you know, went this uh, extra mile, so to speak, or extra kilometer, uh, to... Uh, to get this thing pushed through, and it's. Uh, but, but surely the media got and have to say something about this. They can't. They can't just say, "Oh, well, that was the government line, and the government is sort of uh, the government forces are holding firm. They get, they got a majority against invoking powers. I and think it's time, it's, it, it's time for publications with the resources and the willingness to dig into the background of this and mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, go back and look at the voting records. Go back and look at who pushed for this, um, and and find out where the responsibility actually lay. Right. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's a call to arms by the media. There you go. Uh, there we go. Mm-hmm. Alex, apart from your daily snippet, uh, how about something in depth? Can you get some of your colleagues to do that? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure they would be more than interested. Okay. The other big subject this week, and big, 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 because it brought back. 
the the very topic that led to the largest um, march we've had on 1st July ever, um, the new security law of the mainland of China, uh, which mentions specifically Hong Kong and Macau um, as well, even though there's some question of whether it applies to us and or the degree to which it applies to us and and so on. That was that was the big subject, Francis. Well, it's a big subject always. Is the minute you uh, Article Twenty Three is the uh, third rail of politics in Hong Kong, uh, and uh, it's so much so that uh, C.Y. Lung is at great lengths whenever any reporter asks him to say that we have no timetable for bringing it forward. Uh, I think it's right to say that there are already laws on the books that cover most of those things. And I do wish that when the press refers to Article 23 and says this is what it is, that they would cite all of the things. It's it's uh, subversion, secession, sedition, treason, theft of state secrets, and links with overseas organizations, uh, mm. political organizations. Uh, and and I, I think that, that, that whole category um, has all kinds of potential elements in it. Uh, but it, will this lead to Article 23 legislation? Um, not necessarily. Is the timing uh, planned? I don't think so. I just think it's one of those things where two things happen more or less around the same time. Right. I, I, I'm told that, in fact, if you take existing ordinances and common law and add them together, we cover most of those things except secession. Yeah, secession and links with overseas political organizations. Right. I think those are the two most difficult. Uh, some would need uh, changes of wording. A bit of tweaking here and there. Well, you could remove the queen. It would be perhaps not a bad I idea. think removing the queen, isn't that, isn't, isn't that an offense as well? <laughs> <laughs> You're speaking to a Republican with a small R yeah, here. Yeah, but I want to see how, what does is, what is a case like this do with people like Ronnie Tong, who is seeking uh, – and people like Tik Chi Yoon, uh, who, who are trying to find some sort of middle ground if middle ground can exist in, in Hong Kong politics today. Uh, and and uh, uh, could they find the middle ground disappearing out from under them over something like Article well, 23? What would be the middle ground on the Article 23? What would the one? What would be the middle ground on Article Twenty Three? Article yeah. Eleven and a half. <laughs> I suppose. Just, I just whether Take the to, average. Yeah, you know, whether you legislate or whether you don't. But I mean, I, I just think that, or whether the national security law applies to Hong Kong or it doesn't, um, it's the sort of thing that puts somebody looking for middle ground in a difficult uh, position because right. you you have to take a side on that. One. Now, yeah. the, the official line seems to be that the new security law does not apply within Hong Kong itself because. Our requirement is it's not one of the laws named in the annex to the basic law as applying to Hong Kong. And it it goes much wider than the things specified in Article 23 that we have to do. Um, It covers uh, all sorts of other areas, doesn't it? Well, well, but the question would be, even if it doesn't apply in Hong Kong, what would happen if you were somebody from Hong Kong who goes to the mainland? Right. Well, that so, was uh, uh, one of the pan Democrats' uh, concern. Um, Albert Ho and Lee Chuck Yang. In fact, Lee Chuck Yang sounded quite paranoid. Uh, uh, he said the, the, um, the, the invitation to the pan Democrats to visit mainland was a, was a trap to, uh, <laughs> to arrest him. <laughs> because he's, he's advocating, in fact, the end of one party rule in, yeah. in mainland China, and that's one of the, the things that's specifically protected. 
by the nationality law. So he's safe, in inverted commas, in Hong Kong. You can say in, in Hong Kong, you can, you can call, say, well, we want to, we're patriotic, but we want a democratic system in China. What would happen to long hair if he goes up on one of these occasions when legislators get invited up to China and he decides to demonstrate in the middle of some hall and say, you know, an end to one party rule in China? I think if he said it, I think if he said it in the mainland, he would he could be arrested. Uh, Or they might. I mean, would they or would they just simply say, "Come, come, come with us, and we'll put you on the high speed train back"? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we'll put you in the hole, the 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 hundred billion hole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) but I mean, the media have been having a lot of fun with this, haven't they? Well, 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 I did read the Taikong Post on the day of the, uh, uh, of the coverage. And, and the, the interesting thing is Taikong Post uh, on that same day, even without waiting for extensive local coverage, uh, said Hong Kong people are so uh, short-sighted, uh, myopic, for, for thinking yeah, that the uh, national uh, uh, security law, uh, whether or not it will apply to Hong Kong, when in fact it's a... It's a national law that covers the, the whole country and has to be seen in that context. Mm. Uh, uh, so, and, and of, of course, there's also the constant reminder uh, from Tai Kung Po and also the chief executive uh, that we do have a responsibility to, to our net security, national right. security. But, uh, but our responsibility is specified in Article 23. Yes, it's not specified yes. in, the, in the nationality law of the mainland. Yes. Yeah, which is what the pandemocrats were were worrying because the the introduction of the uh, neo national uh, security law would put pressure on 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 Hong Kong to 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 uh, legislate this uh, under Article Twenty Three. Is uh, is the media still advising everyone to steer clear of it, uh, Francis? You said it's the third rail. Well, I think that anybody who was near that that subject, uh, it, it just the the minute it arises. Uh, there's kind of no winning position on it. No. And I think if there were, uh, I just remember the last time it was uh, Ambrose Lee, the Secretary of Security. Yeah. And the last time I saw him, we were coming out of a meeting. This is some years back after the, the, whole, the marches and everything. And I said, Secretary, I'm just curious. Do you think you'll come back with omnibus legislation? In future. Mm-hmm. And he said, trust me, if we've learned anything from this, it's that there will be no omnibus legislation. Mm-hmm. So if if uh, that position, that view holds, um, then when it does come back, or however, however they address it, we won't see another horse pill like the Article 23 legislation that we saw in 2003. We're not going to see a big bill. Could we see a series of little bills? Well, that would make sense, and it's what people like Margaret Lee have called for for a long time. And the smart way to do it would be to take the low-hanging fruit. Right. You know, pick, pick the things that are already there, tweak them, get rid of the, 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 the uh, ancient nope. language or whatever. No more Queen, no more Prince Philip, yep. stuff like this. Yeah, yep. <laughs> stuff like that. You know, you can't insult the Prince Anne, and, you know, Princess Anne, and, and whatever, you know, and, uh, and, and get it into modern language, uh, yeah. and then leave the more difficult issues for later. I mean, things like sedition have caused problems since the 1790s in the United States. Uh, uh, and and it's, it, it's a difficult area that one probably doesn't really want to get drawn into in the best of circumstances. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, just a little bit of progress here, a little bit of progress there, 
agreed to put the difficult stuff to the side. Of course, and, and some of the, some of the people quoted in the media were linking this to universal suffrage, saying, "When we have a government elected by universal suffrage, we'll have a government we can trust to be sensible about security issues." Well, the other line, uh, the other linkage that goes the other way is that when you get take care of this, then we can talk about universal suffrage. When, when the mainland feels secure and you've enacted Article Twenty Three legislation, then we can, so you can you know you've got you've got to go in two different directions with two different linkages. Well, I think it's fair to say we're safe for two or two years, right? Uh, <laughs> I think, I for think the next two years, we're safe for that. For the, we, there won't uh, be any discussion. Though. Okay. Well, certainly life in Hong Kong is never boring. Uh, the media have given us another interesting week uh, with those three big subjects: First July, March cost overrun on the high-speed rail and the national security law and lots of little things that we didn't think major enough uh, to dwell on this week, like the non-appearance of a former chief executive on the, on the platform for the 1st July celebration of reunification. I have a feeling that story is going to feature in a future episode, but that's all for us this week.